they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the second day of October, first Friday of the month, and the Feast feast of the Guarding Angels. I love it. That's right. So we want to thank God for our guarding angels and um, try and listen to them. (laughs) Especially when it comes to worshiping God. Yeah. I love that aspect. Yeah. The the angels are there to, they're constantly seeing the face of God, so they're constantly worshiping him, and they're Mm -hmm. trying to draw us into that. Amen. So we'll read the gospel of the day. Go for it. All right. The gospel today is special for the feast day. And so was the first reading. The first reading was from Exodus 23, 20 through 23. And um, it talks about God sending his angel before the people as he brings them out of Egypt. But uh, Matthew 18, 1 through 5, and then verse 10 is the gospel for today. The disciples approached Jesus and said, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child over, placed it in their midst, and said, Amen, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself and becomes like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one child such as this in my name receives me. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven always look upon the face of our Heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So, the, the, the disciples are bickering over the greatest. They're asking him who is the greatest. And, and, of course, the question, you know, an interesting question, right? We always want to know who's the greatest. We're always, we still do that, don't we? We have this trouble with competition. We're very competitive people. We want to be the greatest. We want to be the best. We want to know first. We want to be the one who tells everybody the news, whatever, you know. Well, um, it's interesting. Um, is that the way of the Lord? Well, Jesus came to serve and not to be served. So he's showing us an example of humility. And it's interesting that humility is one of the main pillars of the, the, the Christian life. And in the um, Navarre commentary on the Bible, we have a, a quote from St. Augustine. And St. Augustine said, If you ask me, what is the essential thing in the religion and discipline of Jesus Christ? What is the essential thing in the religion and discipline of Jesus Christ? I say, I shall reply. First, humility. Second, humility. Third, humility. So I think we need to ask Jesus for a share in his humility because we get this problem of trying to vie with one another um, for first place. And, and this is not according to the will of God. It's, pride is a very dangerous thing. And we, we tend to be very prideful and we tend to um, have a difficulty in seeing when we're standing on pride or we're standing on principle. And oftentimes when we're standing on principle, actually, we're actually standing on pride. You know, the first three letters are the same, P-R-I, and it's just, there's a real fine difference there for us human beings. So humility, humility, and humility, St. Augustine tells us. And then what? What does he do? He brings a little child in his midst. So what, what is it? You know, the Blessed Virgin Mary is a virgin, right? And, and she, she's a very humble virgin, and she's the mother of God. 
And But God doesn't call us all to virginity. Some of us aren't virgins. We're not going to imitate her in her virginity. But we can imitate her in hum- humility. Let it be to me according to your word, she said to the angel, when the angel came to announce to her. And Jesus says, whoever receives one such child in my name, he puts the child in his midst and says, the child, the child is the one. Well, what are children? Children are, are dependent. They're dependent on someone else to take care of themselves. They're total dependence. And so in order for us to enter into God's kingdom, we have to be totally dependent on God. And little children are totally dependent on their parents. And this is to teach us about how we are to depend on God. So childlike simplicity is especially demanded of the apostle who must lead the church with a spirit of servanthood and humility. All, however, are called to trust the Father for daily provisions and the graces necessary for salvation. So we have this complete childlike trust in the Father. And uh, it would be helpful for people to, um, you know, when you, when you have this gospel, there is part of this is left out. It's, it's Matthew, Matthew 18, 1 through 5, and then verse 10. So verses 6 through 9 are left out. So go ahead and read those and and ponder on them. But verse 10, I think, is so extremely important. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always behold the face of my Father who is in heaven. So for one, Jesus is telling us that every child, that means every human being that was created, has an angel. An angel that's at their side, but also an angel that is beholding the face of the Father in heaven. But he says, do not despise one of these little ones. Mary, let me jump in because I remember when we had our little ones, and I'm sure some of our listeners have had babies too, where you're in church and they come down because the baby's a little fussy. And I get that baby out of here. Yeah. I want you to tell the story of a Father John McKenna story about uh, a baby. No, no, not Father John McKenna. Your mother's story about <laughs> a priest saying, this is a good story. McHenry, Father McHenry. And his first name may have been John. I'm not sure. But Father McHenry back in Minnesota. And my mother my my mother and dad lived out on a farm. My father taught CCD. So they would go to the 8 a.m. mass. And then there was a 10 a.m. mass during which there was a CCD program. And daddy would teach the CCD. So mama would stay in church with the babies. And, and the babies got rather fussy. I mean, and back in those days, you didn't have paper diapers. You didn't have all the conveniences. This is in you know the 1950s at, out in Minnesota on the farm. And so one of the babies was just getting really, really fussy. And she, she just, this is it. I can't, I, father's trying to preach. And it was in the middle of the sermon. So mama stood up and she started walking toward the door of the church. <laughs> father didn't say anything until she got to the door of the church. Yeah. And when she put her hand on the door of the church, father said, stop. Don't take that baby out of this church. Because that baby is preaching a better sermon than I could ever preach. <laughs> and then he went on to interpret the sermon for them. That's funny. He's preaching the sermon of selflessness and self-sacrifice, the sermon of humility and of a willingness to serve, the sermon of always being there for someone who needs you and taking care of their needs no matter what you're going to get in return. Hmm. And my mother said, you know, from that moment on, she never, it didn't matter what Father McHenry, if he teased her or picked on her or whatever, it didn't matter. He could do no wrong. <laughs> he could do no wrong because. That's a great story. It is. It's a beautiful story. And, and we don't have that. You know, it's funny because the problem started right in the beginning with the apostles. Yeah. You remember that scene in the gospels where Jesus is tired, the apostles are tired and the women are bringing their children to have them blessed by the Lord. Yes. And the apostles are, no, get them out of here. The master's tired. Don't bother him. Right. And Jesus, who does he reprimand? The women? 
No, he has to reprimand his own apostles. That's right. His first priests, his first Let bishops. Children come to me. And we don't. Ha- we still have this problem. He says, "No, don't chase them away. Let the little children come to me." Mm-hmm. And we still have this problem. Yeah. You know, why are you bringing that baby to church? And especially now, how dare you bring a baby to church and carry it up in your arms to Holy Communion so that you can't receive Holy Communion on the tongue? <laughs> You're just using that baby as, a, as, a, as something to hide behind. It's like, no, I have real, you know, obligation to take care of this child. And That's what am I supposed to do? Leave, leave a little eight-month-old baby by himself in the pew or playing on the ground outside while I go up for Holy Communion? I don't think so. I, I think I'm supposed to carry the baby in my arms. Absolutely. And so if, if, that's, if people are upset by that, I'm sorry. We're supposed to let the little children come to Jesus, and we're not supposed to hinder them. And they have a guarding angel, a beautiful angel at mm-hmm. their side. And we want to talk more about that sure. in today's show. We wanted to get into the guarding angel and what is the role of the guarding angel. And um, I want particularly want to look at the book of Tobit as an example of what the guarding angel does, because that whole book is about an angel coming in and helping somebody. Uh, more than one somebody, a, a bunch of somebodies, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but just that that acceptance of children, and remember, whenever you receive a little child, you receive Jesus. And in the Gospel of Luke, when he uses the word child, when in that scene in Luke, when mm-hmm. Luke uses it, because I did a study on this when I was doing my my um, master studies, and Luke uses the same word for child as he used for the infant Jesus in the crib. In the manger. Mm. And that's when, when, when an evangelist uses the exact same word in two places, when he could have used an alternate word, he's tying those two passages together. It's good to know. And so that yeah. Jesus was the infant in the manger and that when you accept the infant, it's the same word. Mm. So when you accept the infant, for Luke, the infant is always Jesus. And this is, of course, this is, we know this is true. What did Jesus say to Paul? Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He didn't call him by his Roman name. He called him by his Jewish name. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? (laughs) I am Christ whom you are persecuting. Wait a minute, I'm not persecuting you. I'm persecuting these people who are turning away from God. You know, what's the problem here? No, whenever you, whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you do to me. So accept the little children and accept their parents. Please welcome their parents back to church. Don't drive the little children and their parents away. And don't condemn the parents for having to carry their little babies in their arms and receive communion in the mouth. The church hasn't, aban- you know, the church hasn't said we can't receive communion in the mouth. Right now, people are all worried, although a big study was done, and, and it's been determined that right. receiving communion in the mouth isn't any, less, is, isn't any more dangerous. As they say, dangerous. Everything's dangerous now. We're, we might get COVID, and we yeah, might no die. Way. You know, honey, we're all going to die. Last time I looked. None of us gets out alive. I had an 80-some-year-old cousin who got COVID, mm-hmm. and she, had, she was already dying. She was in the process of dying. You know what? She didn't die of COVID or with COVID. She got over COVID. Yeah, praise God. <laughs> she got well yeah. from the COVID. Now, she still died. She died about three months later, but it wasn't because of the COVID. It was because of all the other things that were wrong. She was old. Yeah. So we're all going to die. Welcome the children. Welcome their parents. Bring them back to church. Bring the children back, please. This is the future of the church, the children. (laughs) And this is the collateral damage that COVID-19 is bringing on. And uh, it's very sad. But we'll be back with more Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Radio. Don't turn that down.
Hi, this is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show, also from Jesus 911. Let's face it, we all need to use the internet, but we need screen accountability. Why? Pornography is a huge problem, especially on the internet. And every time we tap into the internet, we get bombarded with images and temptations that degrade our humanity. So we need Covenant Eyes to block these pornographic sites and advertisements from infiltrating our lives. Covenant Eyes helps us take custody of our eyes and custody of our intellect. So I recommend you go to CovenantEyes.com and type in the promo code VMPR to support the network. Protect yourself and your family from the eminent threats on the internet. www.CovenantEyes.com Code VMPR Live Porn Free. Thank you for listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you. God bless you. Keep the faith. If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers. Here our second session, our second sex segment. Thank you. Good morning, session segment, whatever. Um, we we want to talk about the guardian angel, which was in the, in the reading for the gospel, in the gospel reading for today, because it's the feast of the guardian angel. And we want to give you some uh, scriptural passages and the Catechism of the Catholic Church, what it has to say about a guardian angel. What I'll, what I'll do then, God in his mercy and providence has assigned each of us, as Mary said, a personal guardian angel. Yes, the Catechism of the Catholic Church states it very clearly, besides each believer stands an angel as a protector and shepherd leading him to life. Now, the paragraph you want to look up is paragraph 3. Three, six. That's 336. Now, the angelic ministry concerns our whole life, natural and, and supernatural. supernatural. In, the or, in the natural order, man can do many things on his own with or without the help of the angels. But on the supernatural level, our Lord tells us, without me, you can do nothing. Yep. John 15, 5. Right. We are unable to perform any meritorious act and to progress in the good without the help of God's grace. But this help of divine grace comes to us 
through the angels. And I just want to mention also St. Thomas Aquinas teaches this. This principle is true for each believer. The angel has a ministry from God in our behalf to protect, to console, to enlighten, to strengthen, and to pray for us. This ministry the angel carries out with or without, you know, our, in other words, they want to do this with or without us. This is their job description. Yep. So I just wanted to bring St. Thomas into the picture, the catechism, scripture, it's all there. That's right. That's right. And the, the angels are there. They were there in the beginning. And the angels are not just, um, the word angel isn't just there as a way of explaining how, uh, you know, that God helps us and that it's God doing everything. No, the angels are real personal beings. And by the way, this is a dogma of the faith. If you're Catholic, you believe this. The angels are real personal beings. They are persons, okay? Individuals. Each in- angel is an individual. And God has sent them. He gives them St. Augustine explains that angel is not actually who they are. They are spirits. That's who they are. They are spirits. They're, each angel is an individual mm-hmm. spiritual person. Okay, But angel is their office. Mm. They're, they're to be a messenger of God to us. So they've been assigned to us by God. And what, what, what's the, an early example of that is in Exodus um, 23, 20 through 23, um, God tells the Israelites, mm-hmm. Thus says the Lord, see, I am sending my angel before you to guard you on your way and to bring you to the place I have prepared for you. Be attentive to him and heed his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he will not forgive your sin. My authority resides in him. If you heed his voice and carry out all that I tell you, I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. Now, this, this was actually the first reading for today's Mass for the, for the Feast of the Guardian Angels. And yes, in the historical context, that is the angel is going to go ahead of Israel, the, of the whole people of Israel, to lead them through the desert and to the promised land. But on a, a, a spiritual level, God is telling us that he's given to each one of us an angel to lead us through this exile. We're in exile this is not our homeland. The earth is not our homeland. We believe that heaven is our homeland. We were made for God. We were made for union with God. So we're made for heaven. So heaven is our homeland. Mm-hmm. And he's given to each one of us an angel to lead us, to lead us through. And, and as Terry read there from the catechism, not just the spiritual, but the temporal also. Now, the temporal, a lot of it we can take care of without the necessarily direct intervention of the angel. But we need the angel in the spiritual life. Because we can do no good without God's help, and that help comes from the angel. And it's not just God, oh, oh, it's God, and the angel is just an explanation of how God works. No, angels and devils are real. The devils are angels who have rebelled against God, and therefore they've become evil because they rejected God. One more thing about the the guardian angel in that catechism, verse 336. You know, from from its beginning until death, human life is surrounded by angels. That's right. You know? Watchful care of intercessors. God has assigned, and this is important, a personal guardian angel to each of us, which he has not assigned to anyone else. That question comes up. Matter of fact, Mary, we did a Catholic Answers Hour a couple years ago on the angels. It's still on YouTube. If people want to see that, you know, go to the Catholic Answers YouTube channel 
and type in guardian angel. And I made one mistake. Yep, go ahead and because, bring it up. Because a young, a little, a child called in and asked, well, are the angels persons? And I was thinking, well, they're not. They're not, per- they're not human persons, but they are persons. So yes, they are personal creatures. They are persons. So I correct myself there. I was wrong. The angels are persons. Um, granted, they're not human persons. They're not human. Right. They're, they are angelic. They are pure spirits. But nonetheless, they are persons. Right. And God has you, and this is really important, God had you and your salvation in mind when he created your angel. That's a very important right. aspect. Remember, yeah. God loves you so much. He says, I'm, I'm going to give this guy some help, especially Terry. I'll give him a really, I might even give him a, you know, a really strong angel. No. Just as Jesus and Mary were in mind, the, the mind of God in relation to each of us from all eternity, as the new Adam and the new Eve, so also... From all eternity, your angel and you were in the mind of God in relation to each other. So if we had had an opportunity to choose from among all the holy angels a guardian angel for ourselves, we could not have found a better companion than the one God picked. (laughs) That's so powerful. You know, it's kind of like our cross. You know, sometimes we complain to God about our cross, and it's like, you know, if if he were to let us pick a cross... Uh, we, we'd find out, you know, I, I picked the smallest one. And he said, well, that's the one I, I made for you. You know, <laughs> God knows us better than we know ourselves. Yeah. And so, yes, when he made the angels, he had us in mind. It's that's not, right. And that's it. We, what, just because it's in the mind of God doesn't mean it exists already mm-hmm. in, in time and space. Yeah. And that doesn't mean we exist. At, you know, we didn't pre-exist the creation, the moment of our conception on earth. Okay. The moment we were conceived on earth was the moment that our soul was created. But God still had us in mind. He still had the intention to create. And he gives us each an angel to guard us. And, and like that, when the, the Israelites were in the desert, they needed that help, that guidance to go the right way. Remember, the Israelites were being taken out of Egypt, a place of slavery, but also a place of idolatry. And in their 400 years down there in Egypt, 400 plus years down in Egypt, they had fallen into the idolatry of the Egyptians and they were worshiping the false gods. And this is why God was calling them out. He was bringing them out to go to the mountain to worship him, a three days journey into the wilderness to worship God, to bring them back, to make them loyal again to him. And what I wanted to talk about today in the way the angel work is the book of Tobit. And what's interesting is the book of Tobit is about Tobit, he was a, a man, an Israelite of the, of the tribe of Naphtali, and he had been a righteous man. That means he was, in the, he was in the northern kingdom. But instead of when the northern kingdom started worshiping false gods, Tobit never participated in that. He would always make the journey back to Jerusalem for the festivals and to worship God in the temple and to worship God as he had demanded. And so he never, and then eventually what happens, you know, that the northern kingdom is carried off into exile, Right. The northern kingdom of Israel is carried off into exile into to Nineveh and, and Assyria. And, and there they are. They're up there. And, and even there, even when many of Tobit's friends just decide to live like the pagans that they're living among, Tobit doesn't. He remains faithful to the Lord and he prays and he, remain, he keeps the dietary laws. So he keeps the laws that Moses had given. So he's faithful in everything. And that doesn't mean he's not going to suffer. One of the things... Tobit does up there is he buries the dead. And it's, it's actually, um, you know, if you know the story here, we have, remember that after the Assyrians had carried off the northern tribes of Israel, um, at one point, they, when, Shana, when uh, 
Shennacherib becomes the king, Shennacherib goes down to take the north, the southern kingdom, Jerusalem and, and Judah. And when he comes there, Hezekiah is the king and Hezekiah has restored the proper worship to, to the temple and he has destroyed the idols. And so he has the people worshiping. And when, when um, Shennacherib comes, Hezekiah doesn't number the men. He doesn't call out his troops. He doesn't call his counsel. He takes, Shennacherib sends a letter. God has delivered the whole world into mm. my hands. Don't think, don't let your God fool you into, into thinking that he can deliver you from me. And Hezekiah takes the letter in before the, the, the Lord in the temple, before the Holy Holies. And he, and he says, okay, you see what this man says about you, Lord. What are you going to do about it? And that night, God sends his angel through the Assyrian camp. And 185,000 Assyrians died. Mm-hmm. Well, Shennacherib has to go back to Assyria, shamefaced. He's lost 185,000 men. And Judah didn't lose a single man. And he takes it out on the Jews up hmm. there. And he's killing, he's killing people. And so Jewish people. And so Tobit is burying them. He secretly goes out and buries the dead. Well, somebody tells him about it. Somebody tells Shennacherib that, that uh, Tobit is the one who's doing this. And so Tobit has to flee and, um, for a little while and hide. And everything that he has is taken away from him. But God is watching over him. And he is re- he's restored. Shennacherib died very shortly after he puts Tobit in you know, after he, he, he sets out to destroy Tobit. Tobit hides. He does, he's not found, but he loses everything he has. Everything that was his was confiscated by the, by the government. And so um, once Shennacherib dies, he's able to come back. Mm-hmm. But um, what happens when he comes back is they prepare this feast, and then that night he sleeps outside, and he didn't have his face covered, and some bird dropping gets in his eyes, and he gets cataracts, mm-hmm. and he goes blind. And so he's blind, and he's just... His wife goes out and takes work. She she hires herself out. And she brings home a lamb one time. And, and it begins to bleat as it comes in the house. And he thinks she stole it. So he tells her to return it. And she's like, where are all your good needs now? <laughs> you know, I, this was given as a bonus for my hard work. And you're, and so, you know, she was angry at him. And, and, and he, he just, he feels so bad. He asks God for death. And then there's another person in the story. Her name is Sarah, and she's the daughter of Raguel, and she's been married seven times. And there's this evil demon uh, who is t- tormenting her, not physically, but every time she gets married, he kills her husband. So um, seven times she's been married, seven husbands have died, and now she's taken abuse from one of her servant handmaids who say, oh, well, you kill all your husbands, and so now you're taking it out on us. You're being mean to us. And so she prays for death. So Tobit and Sarah both pray for death and their prayer is heard before God and God tells Raphael, the archangel, to come and to remedy their situation, the both of them, that that their lives will be brought together. But it's through the ministry of this angel. And what does he do? He comes from God. And what it turns out is that Tobit had, had deposited some money with a relative of his. And when it was safe to travel in the kingdom of Assyria, under the, the first king, under Shennacherib, it wasn't safe. It was, the roads became very dangerous and you couldn't travel. So we'll have to finish this story following this break. I love it. Hey, I want to remind everybody at 5 o'clock Pacific Coast time, Bishop Joseph Strickland and Father Altman have a one-hour interview. It's a premiere show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just go to our website, Virgin Most Powerful Radio, or to our 
YouTube channel, and you'll see it. 5 o'clock Pacific Coast time. We'll be right back with more. Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app <laughs> for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes the Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Daniel, what a testimony, and I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. Leviticus 11.44 says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. St. Vincent Pilati said, you must be holy in the way God asks you to be holy. God does not ask you to be a Trappist monk or a hermit. He wants you to sanctify the world and your everyday life. May God show us the path to holiness and help us to follow it all the days of our life. selling your home or your business property this is terry barber real estate for life underwrites the terry and jesse show and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world and when they receive their referral fee they will give 80 percent of it to a pro-life organization wow that's 80 percent realestateforlife.org 877-LIFE-US-1 Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back here. And so we're, we're looking at the book of Tobit. I would, I would encourage everyone to read this book, especially young people. Okay? Mm-hmm. This is such a powerful book of the Bible. So Tobit is, um, Tobit is gone blind. Um, he's, he doesn't have much of anything. He's pretty much poverty-stricken. But he's still serving the Lord and he's faithful. And then Sarah has had this problem with the, 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 the demon who's, um, what would we call that, um, oppressing her kind of. Mm-hmm. He, he, he torments her yep. by killing all her husbands. And so Tobit gives these, in chapter four is very beautiful. And I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's, but it, it, these instructions to his son about how he's supposed to live. And it's very much, you know, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty. No matter what you have of this world's goods, you share it with someone who has less. Even if you have very little, share according to your means. But always honor your mother, he tells him. You know, so keep, keep the fourth commandment. Take care of your neighbor and take care of your mom. And so then um, he, he tells Tobit, because he's prayed for death, he's sure that, you know, God's going to answer his prayer. So he tells Tobias, look, I had deposited some money with a relative of ours over in Meads. Um, and so I want you to go get it. 
Uh, and so he goes, he, he said, but go find a man who can guide you. So Tob- Tobias goes out and he finds Raphael. Now he doesn't know that Raphael is an angel. He finds this man. And um, Raphael, he asks Raphael his name. He says, my name is Azariah. And Azariah, by the way, means God's help. Hmm. So yeah, he wasn't lying. This is his name right now. His <laughs> name is God's help. He's God's help. He's sending. And so what does he do? So he meets Tobit and, and they go out. And as they go, there are several things that have to be cured here. It would be nice to have Tobit in his old age cured of his blindness. It would nice be nice to have him not live in absolute poverty. Um, and it would be nice to have Tobias find a good woman from his own family. It would, it would be good to have Sarah freed from this demon who's, who's oppressing her. And so Raphael has come, and this is, by the way, he is the patron saint for, for people who I know he's, he's an archangel, but it's, this is how the angel works in our life, okay? He wants to bring us closer to God. He wants to help us in the material wood world, but he doesn't want us to be attached to material things. He wants us to worship God. He really wants to help us in the worship of God. So they go out, they make this journey, and on the journey, the first night, this fish almost bites Tobias's foot. Mm-hmm. And Raphael says, catch that fish, don't let it go. And he tells them to save the gall, the heart, and the liver. Mm-hmm. They will be useful for you. So they eat the fish for dinner, but they save the heart, the gall, and the liver. So when um, Raphael plays the matchmaker, and he talks to Tobias about um, Raguel's daughter, Sarah. And that he should be able to marry Roggewell's daughter. Well, word has already gotten around. I mean, even back in those days when they didn't have cell phones and internet, word had gotten around. They, this lady's got a problem. She's already been married seven times. I, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm the only son of my mother and father. And if I die on this journey, they're not going to be too happy. I don't think I want to do this. So then Raphael explains. So this is, God has intended this. This was set up by God from the beginning. So she's, she's your next of kin and you're her next of kin. She, you're supposed to marry her. And um, she is very beautiful, by the way, as Raphael tells him. Mm-hmm. So even before he's ever even seen her, just from Raphael's dis- description, he's already fallen in love with her. And so they get there and um, Tobias does marry Sarah. But what's going to happen here? How's, how is he going to defeat the demon? He's, he's just a man. You know, we're no match for the demon. Well, Raphael had told him something. When you get into the bridal chamber... Take the heart and the liver of the fish and place it on some live coals. The smoke will drive the demon away. And then before consummating your marriage, you and Sarah pray together. So we dedicate everything to God. The angel tells us this is what the angel is telling us. Even in our normal human course of just natural life, Mm -hmm. everything should be dedicated to God first. So before they consummate their marriage, they pray. And again, that's, you know, um, chapter eight, you got to read the prayer. It's just absolutely wonderful. And of course, Raguel is, is all nervous. He's like, oh my gosh, here comes another one. This will be number eight. The neighbors are just going to totally, you know. And so he digs a grave. He has his servants dig a grave. And then in the morning, he asks his wife to send one of the maids in to see if Tobias is still alive. If he's dead, they're going to carry him out secretly and bury him without anybody knowing, without anybody knowing. Well, the servants already know they dug the grave. And, you know, anyway, as it turns out, Tobias is still alive. Oh, my word. And now Raguel offers a prayer 
of, of thanksgiving to God. And they have a wedding feast. But the wedding feast, he tells, he tells Tobias, he says, Tobias, you have to stay for 14 days. You cannot mm. leave my house for 14 days. Mm. And Tobias is like, oh, my father is counting the days. I'm already too long on this journey. He's going to be nervous and upset, and he's going to think I perished. And so he asked the angel to go to finish his errand of collecting the money that his father had deposited with a relative and also bring that relative back to the wedding. So Raphael goes ahead, Azarias, goes ahead with a servant, and he picks up the money and brings um, the, the, the relative, Gabriel, back and to enjoy the wedding feast. And then they, they, they head home after the 14 days are over. And in the meantime, yeah, they've taken a long time. And Raphael, I mean, um, Tobias, Tobiah, Tobid, Tobid. It, Tobit is the father. Tobias is the son. Tobit and his wife, Anna, think that their son is lost. And they're, they're, they're starting to grieve already. Mm-hmm. But um, they actually... You know, it, it's it's all it, they get back, and as they return, then then Raphael tells him on the return tip what he's going to do with the gall. The gall is for the cataracts. You're going to smear the gall on the eyes of your father, and then that will dry up the cataracts, and you will peel them. And and again, R- Tobias has to listen to Raphael's instructions. He has to follow the angel's instructions. This is part of what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to listen to our angels. And this is why we need prayer and silence. How are we going to, you know, we should know our angels. So we should be reading scripture and, and reading the passages of scripture, especially about the angels and how they help. Many, many passages where the angels intercede for people. But we need to have time for silence. We need to shut off the noise so we can enter into silence um, Mother Teresa once said, the fruit of silence is prayer. And then she said, the fruit of prayer is faith. And the fruit of faith is charity. And the fruit of charity is peace. So if we want peace, we need to begin with prayer, with silence. We begin with silence, which leads us to prayer that then enkindles in, in faith and then enkindles charity, which enkindles service to our neighbor. And when we're, when we're serving one another, we, we are, there's that peacefulness within us. And this is what the angels want to lead us in. So the angel has already, he's already fixed the problem of, um, he's collected the money. So the poverty thing, he's, he's already gotten the, driven off the demon and he wrestles with the demon. Um, and he and the other angels wrestle with the demon down in Egypt because the demon fly, flees away from the smell of the, the heart and the, and the liver on the fire. And then, um, when, 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 Tobias returns, he, he follows the instructions about the gall and he puts it on his father's eyes and it stings, it burns, but it, then he's able to peel the cataracts away and his father's able to see again. And I thought, gee, I'd like to know what fish that was that Raphael had him catch because it might be helpful nowadays to get the gall for people who have cataracts. I know that's an ancient way to do things, but you know, sometimes ancient ways weren't always so bad. <laughs> Um, I'm not condemning modern medicine. We have been very blessed with modern medicine. But nonetheless, don't forget to ask the angels to help. As a matter of fact, right now, we, you know, there are a lot of people in hospitals who need the angels to intercede. The doctors are baffled at the diseases they're coming up against nowadays. It's like, well, I don't know what to do. I mean, I thought it was this and I'm treating this, but it's not responding. And all the markers point to this, but the body's not responding. What do I do? You know, say, ask the angels Ask your angel to talk to your doctor's angel and, and ask your angels to collaborate with one another, to work together. To, to, and, and you know what? Encourage your doctor to pray. 
and say, Doctor, will you pray with me? Can we pray together and ask the Lord, you know, for some insight and instruction here? And so once Raphael has healed all these these things here, um, Tobit, to, Tobit tells um, his son, you know, if we give, you know, we need to give Raphael a decent wage for what he's done for us. And, and Tobias says, even if I gave him half of everything, it wouldn't be sufficient. I mean, here I have this beautiful wife, and now you have your eyesight, and um, Raguel, Sarah's father, gave me half of all his belongings, so, because that, you know, his daughter, Sarah's his only daughter, so half of what he has belong, he gives to his daughter. And so, um, the, the idea here isn't the health and wealth gospel, okay? That's not what I'm saying. It's not... In the scriptures, in the book of Proverbs, we pray, Lord, do not give me abject poverty, lest I steal and, cur- and therefore profane your name. But at the same time, don't give me um, tremendous wealth, lest I think I don't need you. We need the Lord, and the Lord gives us the angels to lead us to the Lord. And what's beautiful at the end of the book of Tobit is this beautiful prayer that Tobit prays in Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And I, when you read through the book of Tobit, look at these beautiful prayers that these people pray. And this is what the angel is leading us to. And this is what the, the guarding angel here, Raphael represents the guarding angel, but it really is Raphael the archangel. But he represents our guarding angel. I mean, Tobit had, Tobit had a guarding angel. Tobias had a guarding angel. You know, Sarah had a guarding angel. Well, why weren't they working? Well, they were. God had a plan in it all. Mm-hmm. He had, first of all, he had a plan to bring Sarah and Tob- Tobias together to be husband and wife. And he also had a plan to heal Tobit and he had a plan to, you know, re- reunite the family that was spread out because of the exile and, and, and so that they would have contact with one another again. And the angel, most of all, and this is what's so beautiful, is in the end, you know, Tobit and Tobias are going to try and pay Raphael. And Raphael says, he says, well, wait a minute. <laughs> I will now declare the whole truth to you and I will not conceal anything from you. I have said it is good to guard the secret of the king, Mm -hmm. but glorious to reveal the works of God. Mm -hmm. And this is what the angels do. They reveal the works of God. And so when you and your daughter-in-law, Sarah, prayed, I brought a reminder of your prayer before the Holy One. And when you buried the dead, I likewise was present with you. When you did not hesitate to rise and leave dinner in order to go and lay out the dead, I was sent to test you. So now God sent me to heal you and your daughter-in-law. I am Raphael, Raphael, one of the seven holy angels in the, in, who are present, present the prayers of the saints and enter into the presence of the Lord. And then he says, don't fear, but praise God. So we're going to finish up here on the angels. Guarding angels, today's their feast. It's also first Friday. Remember the first Friday of the month, preparation for the sacred heart of Jesus, and we ask the angels to help. We got Ernesto from Long Beach. You know, I just wanted to comment. You know, and I just wanted to thank you guys. And I kind of wanted to encourage people that are listening, maybe that are not donating, you know, because honestly, I got to be honest. I used to think you guys were a little too over the top, you know, (laughs) you know, yeah, that's right. If God gave us a lot, 
you know, and I'm, I have the blessing of listening to all this. I just want to call all the people, you know, I got five kids, you know, and I don't make a lot of money and I'm still donating to you guys. God bless you, brother. You're amazing. We gotta, we have to do this. We have to do the extra. And it's not even the extra. People see it like it's extra. Kneeling for communion, saying your rosary, saying the divine mercy chaplet. It is not extra. It's what the church tells us to do. Amen. You're a good man, brother. 30 years old, 29 years old, five kids, and I thank you guys. How does the baby move in your tummy? I love it. Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby, inside and out of the womb. Not just after birth, but nine months before at conception. That's right, every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kuharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance, or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org, or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show, and they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this first Friday of the month of October, the Feast of the Guarding Angels. We're talking about the guarding angels today. I hope you're enjoying this program. I hope you share it with all your friends, and I hope you learned a lot about your angel. And I really hope you'll read the book of Tobit, because there's so much in here that I can't cover today. And Mary, before you continue on that Tobit book, and it is a great one, and a lot of times we, I think we read that at our wedding, correct? Yes, we did. We had this. 30-some years ago. Yeah. yeah. I just want to make, make another practical application of devotion to your guardian angel, and that is, you know, we're here to do the will of God. Well, it's not easy always to do the will of God. You need help. And with your total abandonment to the will of God being at his disposal, right? You're giving the angel, asking your angel to help at any time and place, ever listening to him in the silence of your heart. Such abandonment brings about an interior transformation of our lives, making us available for God. And who are you mimicking? The angels mimic. Our Lady and St. Joseph. Amen. Whatever he may send, it transforms us ultimately into the one we are following, the one who gives us eternal life. See, he's, it's a, we call it Christ-centric. He, the guardian angel has one goal, to get you to heaven. Amen. That Exactly. They, they, to get us to heaven. Yep. And, and the deal is this, that Raphael here at the end of the book of Tobit in chapter 12, he talks to Tobias when they... when they go to pay him he says praise God and give thanks to him exalt him and give thanks to him in the presence of all the living for what he has done for you 
It is good to praise God and to exalt his name, worthily declaring the works of God and with fitting honor to acknowledge him. Do not be slow to give him thanks. So we need to praise the Lord. And this is the angels want to join us in the worship of God. Father mentioned this at Mass this morning. It was beautiful. Yeah. He said, you know, especially in the worship of God, the angels want to join us. So when you go to Mass, when you pray, ask your angel to join you. And by the way, when you receive Holy Communion, you can ask the Lord that your angel participate in that Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. You can offer your Holy Communion in honor of the choirs of angels right. for, their, for their greater glory. It's 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 a great mystery to us, but nonetheless, it's there, and we can ask the angels, and they will participate, and they will help us. You know, the angel taught the children at Fatima how to worship Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, and now angels don't have a body; they are spirits. Remember, this is who they are: they're they're personal beings, they have persons, but they're spiritual persons. And so the angel appears in the form of a man so that we can see him. And the angel at Fatima knelt on the ground and put his head to the ground and worshiped Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. This is an angel who's never sinned. And he's he's showing us this is how to worship. And they're, they're willing to help us and to join us. And the angel goes on, he says, prayer is good when accompanied by fasting and almsgiving and righteousness. Mm. A little with righteousness is better than much with wrongdoing. Say that one more time, because that's a powerful statement. A little with righteousness Mm -hmm. is better than much with wrongdoing. Mm -hmm. You know, in our world, we're so afraid of poverty. But you know, if we have all the things we have, all the things in this world that we need, and then we're not serving God, we're sinning, we may end up in hell for all eternity. And what good did all that earthly stuff do us? Nothing. If If I have very little and I serve the Lord every day, and glorify him every day. I'll be with him in heaven for all eternity, please God. And mm. then I've gained everything because I've gained heaven. I've gained God. Right. You know, when we're, when we're faithful to the Lord, we possess the Lord. God gives himself to us. The angels can't receive Jesus in Holy Communion, but they can participate in our Holy Communion. Mm-hmm. The angels can't suffer like Jesus. They don't have a body, but we can, and they can help us in that. Yeah. Jesus was poor. That's right. He came into this world in poverty. And we're afraid of it. We really are. But when you've been given more than you need of this world's goods, just like Tobit told his son Tobias, Mm -hmm. share that with others. Mm -hmm. Even if you only have a little, you have enough to share. Mother Teresa had the beautiful story of this this woman came to her. It was a Hindu woman, I think, came and asked her for some rice. And then mother gives her some rice for her family. But before what she does immediately, the Hindu woman goes out and she splits the rice in two and takes half of it to her Muslim neighbor. This is truly, you know, serving and and giving. It's like she didn't have much, but she gives half of it away. Whoa. It's a beautiful story. And, you know, we need to ask our angel to help us recognize various ways that we can live God's mercy in our daily life. Now, one thing we can all do is to take a fresh look at what the church calls the spiritual and corporal works of mercy. mercy. Now, the corporal works of mercy, feed the hungry, give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless, visit the sick, ransom the captive, and bury the dead. Now, the spiritual works of mercy, admonish the sinner. Boy, that's, uh, that's a tough one to do right now. Instruct the uninformed. Very powerful. Counsel the doubtful. Comfort the, the sorrowful. sorrowful. Be patient with those Fair in error. Forgive offenses. Pray for the living and the dead. Now, not everybody can practice all of these works of mercy for lack of material means 
are, for example, a lack of intellectual capacity to instruct a certain uninformed individual or any other reason, but everybody's able and is, in fact, commanded by our Lord to practice active charity to one another. And he gives an example of the poor man in Lazarus. The Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 16, verse 19 to 31, was not able to feed the hungry, yeah. to shelter the homeless, or to bury the dead. But despite his poverty and sickness, he could still at least perform some works of spiritual works of mercy, which are even more important than the corporal works of mercy. He could pray. He could forgive the mercilessness of the rich man and offer patiently his sufferings for his neighbors. So we all can participate. Absolutely. It was so beautiful about that is in the book of Tobit, this is what's the instructions that Tobit gives to his son are to practice these works of mercy. And in Mm -hmm. practice, he buried the dead. Yep. And so he practices all these works of mercy. But again, and the angel is teaching us too, we pray. We need to pray. Yeah. It's not just, you know, to bury the dead, but we have to, to pray. And, and here's the deal, like Lazarus, mm-hmm. the, in, the, in the gospel story of, of mm-hmm. the rich man and Lazarus, Lazarus has nothing. Mm-hmm. He, he actually has covered with sores and he's, the dogs are licking his wounds. He's, you know, he's like the dying in the streets that you pick up. And, but he can pray. And apparently he did pray. Yep. And he didn't resent his rich man, this rich man, or condemn him. But he prayed for him, and that's what we need to do. We need to pray, and we need to pray for our enemies. We do. And we need to pray for our friends. And, and one of the biggest things, the angel, and this is, you know, what does the angel do for us? The angel is at our side all the time. The angel constantly sees the face of God. So the angel knows what sin is like to God. He knows how offensive. He's seen everything Jesus suffered and he's seen everything God did for us. And then he sees us turn our back on God when we sin. Maybe it wasn't a mortal sin, but nonetheless, if we choose any created thing, even if it's a venial sin, even we say even if it's a venial sin, it's still an infinite offense against God. That's right. And the angel witnesses that. And you know what? He never withdraws his help from us. He doesn't get angry at us. He doesn't condemn us. He prays for us continually that we will come back to God and turn back to mm-hmm. God. So the angel shows us this example of silence. He's very quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you don't usually hear the angel voice. It's not something that you hear. Um, you know, occasionally people will hear the voice of an angel. Um, and, and if you do, hear, heed it, you know, or sometimes yeah. you have this, this interior sense Um that you need to do something, you know, uh, you know, angels have been known to do tremendous things to protect people from, yeah. from different things. And I, there's a guarding angel story here in the, we have the, oh, yeah. uh, the Opus Angelorum newsletter and the work of the holy angels. And I just want to read this Good one. Story. At, at, this is from, this is the fall circular letter, 2020. I come from a very rough childhood with much abuse. I met my wife when I was 18 years old. We dated for a year and a half. I learned all about her upbringing she came from a loving family, no divorces, no drug, no alcohol, no violence, parental support and guidance all the time, completely opposite of my upbringing. We married after a year and a half of dating. About five years into our marriage, I slipped into anxiety attacks, depression, anger issues, and drinking. We already had two small children at this point, and all I could think was, I am going to destroy this family like my parents did. My wife is, is and was a born-again Christian, but never encountered voices from God or angels. 
But she told me one day at a point where our marriage was struggling because of my inability to cope, that a very clear and audible voice told her while she was doing dishes in the kitchen in our home, I am commanding you to love. Hmm. And the and the angel said the first and last name of her husband. Wow. I am commanding you to love. Beautiful. And the angel said his name. And be obedient in this and you will be blessed. She only told me about this years later. This was the only time she had ever heard an audible voice from our God and creator. Whether it was God himself or an angel, and I'm sure it was his angel, because he sent, that's what he does. That's how he works. She literally endured, and here we are, our 29th anniversary next month. She is my earthly angel, and I mm-hmm. thank God every day, every day. It's beautiful. And that's, the angel is there, and he's encouraging us. He's, yeah. be faithful, be faithful, even if it's hard. Pray harder. And, and the deal is, you know, I remember once, we used to tell my nieces and nephews, you know, offer it up, offer it up. And one of my nieces one day said, she said, I'm not going to offer it up. It makes it hurt worse. <laughs> I said, well, no, first of all, it doesn't make it hurt worse. It, that's your imagination or the enemy trying to get in there to make you think it's worse. But we don't offer it up so the pain will go away. And that's oftentimes what we think. We're mm-hmm. offering up, the pain will go away. Right. You know, with the book of Tobit, it's a wonderful story and it ends beautifully and, and everything is restored and, and everything's joyful. They don't end up in poverty. But Jesus and Mary and Joseph lived poverty all their life, all their life. And many of the saints did. So just because we offered up doesn't mean the pain's going to go away or the suffering's going to go away. But it's not wasted. What was it Bishop Sheen said about our hospitals becoming spiritual nuclear power plants? If people would unite their sufferings to Jesus Christ, Jesus, it is for love of you, for the conversion of sinners and reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In union with Jesus crucified, we offer this so that it's not wasted. We don't want to waste the suffering. And the suffering has great meaning. If you don't think so, look at the cross. Why would Jesus have done this? He redeemed the meaning of human suffering. Not remove it. He redeemed it to fill it with his presence so that we could all offer our sufferings in union with him. And I quote that exact quote? There is so much suffering in the world which could be transformed into streams of grace. If it were accepted and offered in union with the sufferings of our blessed Lord, hospitals could become spiritual power plants in drawing divine graces into the world. If all Catholics would work with this great talent, the evil one would soon be defeated, the world would be converted, and countless poor souls would be released from purgatory. Amen, and holy angels help us. Help us to offer our sufferings and to be kind and gentle with other people who challenge us Amen. Amen. Don't forget, 5 o'clock Pacific Coast time, Bishop Strickland and Father Altman. Special one-hour interview. May God richly bless you and your family. You did great. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of Thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught 
all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.